Let's go live with Jack Kelly. Welcome to the one-of-a-kind LinkedIn live show that will help you with your job search and advancing your career. We will bring in educated career experts who will share their insights and give you inside tips on how to be successful in your job search. Now let's get into today's show with your host, Jack Kelly. I'd like to welcome Claire Spence to Let's Go Live with Jack Kelly. Now, Claire is an awesome, fantastic recruiter, and she's not only a great recruiter, but one of those folks who likes to share her advice and guidance with people. And you don't necessarily have to be a client or you know, somebody who is going through the job search through her firm, but uh, she's part of our We Meet Up group and just, just gives some great advice to people. So maybe Claire, you could tell a little bit about who you are, what you do as a recruiter, what you specialize in. And the whole idea is that we'll be able to kind of tell people, here's what you need to know how to deal with recruiting, the do's, the don'ts, what works, what doesn't work, how they can help, why maybe you feel sometimes you get blown off and any and tips you've learned along the way to help you with your search. So Claire, so this way, maybe you can introduce yourself and tell them about what you do. Absolutely, thank you, Jack. Okay. Um, happy to be here. And um, my name is Claire Spence. As Jack said, I'm with Joseph Chris Partners. Um, we are a boutique firm uh, that specialize in all sectors of real estate development and construction. So that's pretty much anything you can think of, uh, single family, multifamily, retail, commercial, hospitality, mixed use, industrial, um, educational facilities, um, we do ex mostly director level search and above, um, but horizontally, vertically, all the way out through operations, presidents, CEOs, and chairmen of the board. So these would be the executives, not necessarily the people building the house, but executives who run these it, companies. It depends. I mean, if, I, you know, we have some, some clients we've been working with for, you know, I have a lot of clients I've been working with for, you know, 18 years. And so those, those people all do whatever they need me, they need me to do. Yeah. Um, but, but for the most part, our, our, our firm is focused on director level and above. Now, is this in Dallas or is it across the board? Um, no, it's, it's all over the country. Um, oh. the, the firm is based in Houston, or Kingwood, which is a suburb of Houston. And um, I actually, I don't live there. Um, I did, but I, I work remotely in my home office. And, um, but we work nationally as well as globally. So, but most yeah. of it's, most of it's in country. You know, it's so interesting though, because from what I'm seeing, and I don't know if I'm right about this, but despite the fact of a pandemic and, and so many people out of work and all that, that real estate in some parts is still doing pretty well, is it, right? Like people are still buying houses. It, 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 it is. I mean, right now, um, especially in the single family sector, um, I, I mean, even in California uh, and places that are, that are, um, that have a lot more restrictions than say Texas or Florida. Um, all, I mean, all over the country, single family is, is very, very strong. But why is that? Like how come, because you would think it's kind of, to me, like it's almost counterintuitive. Like you would think, okay, people are gonna hang tight and not buy a house because they're worried about the economy and everything. Well, rates are low. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people working from home, you know, looking, looking online. Uh, at, at homes. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think that, I think really it's probably has more to do with the rates being as low as they have been. I mean, I think the average is like 3% and, and under so right like, now on a mortgage. So it's almost like, hey, 
if you were thinking about doing it, you're like, hey, I might as well do it now. And do you think also it has to do with this whole remote work thing too, where people are feeling, hey, you know what? If I'm going to be working remotely and maybe I'm in an apartment, let me get a house. And because, you know, we have myself, my spouse, the kids, the dogs, the cats, right. we're all, you know, on top of each other. Let's get a house and, you know, have more room. Is that exactly? Exactly. I think that has a lot, I think it has a lot to do with it. Um, and, uh, uh, that and the rates being low, they can, a lot of people can, especially families that are in an apartment or in a three bedroom apartment or something can get a home for less than what they're paying for their apartment yeah. right now. So. And Texas, everyone seems to be moving there, right? Elon well, it Musk seems like everybody, there. everybody from California is coming to Texas and wow. everybody from New York is going to Florida. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. So what, you got Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro. Yeah. Uh, wait, Ben's in Florida. Huh? Ben's in Florida. Oh, he, really? Oh, okay. Ben went to Florida. It's so wild. It's so it's 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 like it's why like things are changing so much. Yeah. Which is bizarre. So, as a recruiter, I think a lot of people don't understand how they work. You know, and what I hear a lot, and you probably hear this too, is well, they have a bad taste in their mouth. They think you know, I get blown off by these recruiters, they ghost me. Maybe you could kind of tell a little bit about like, just, just how the whole thing works. Well, you know, I, I, I certainly believe that there are, are recruiters out there. You know, I hate being called a headhunter. Somebody, mm -hmm. someone, someone says, oh, you're a headhunter. I'm like, no, I've never hunted heads in my life. Yeah. I'm an executive recruiter, yeah. but, um, there are uh, there are firms out there that throw a lot of paper just to see what sticks. Yeah. Uh, we're not one of those. Um, uh, you know, things are confidential uh, until a, a candidate decides that they really want to to talk. Even at that point, um, you know, everything everything stays confidential. And you know, we we spend a lot of time with individuals prior to. Um, submitting them to a search. Um, you know, I'm, I may talk to 100 people before I submit one. Wow. So, yeah. And you talk to Eric. So you talk to a lot of people then. Yeah, we're on the phone all day, <laughs> all day long. So that's pretty cool. So, but if you're if you're talking to all those folks, is that because you feel they're good for it, or maybe they're not good for the job you're recruiting for, but you want to get to know them for the future? I, well, um, all of the above, but at the same, but, but the, for the most part, I want to get my client the best possible fit. I mean, for me, it's about, it's not about making a placement. It's about making a, a lasting relationship that's going to, a win-win relationship that's going to last forever. So I want whoever I'm going to place to be there forever. I don't, I don't, I would, and I've, put a stop on, you know, there've been plenty of times when I've said to my client after I submitted someone, Hey, no, no, let's go back on that. I don't, I don't want you, I don't want you to hire this person. I don't, I don't trust them anymore. Or I have this feeling, you know, and, and I've made clients sign things when they wanted to hire them anyway and say, okay, you know, your guarantee, I'm, I'm letting your guarantee go. And sure enough, it's interesting. You say that. <laughs> you, know? Cause you know what? I've had that same kind of experience at times where you just get this bad vibe from somebody. And, you know, you know, you can make a placement and for the people watching, if you're an executive recruiter and, and, and Claire's going to get mad at me and, and my recruiter friends are going to get mad at me because I'm, I'm going to spill some beans here. 
uh, or, or, or spill the tea or whatever would you young kids talk about now. So, so but how is this? You get a nice commission. It could be 20, 25%, 30% of the base salary or sometimes the whole you know, compensation package. So there's a big incentive for a recruiter to make a placement because not only do they play someone and you feel good about it, but, you know, financially it's cool. So that if you kind of walk away from it, you're taking a big hit. So I know what you're saying, because there are times I was in the same boat where I'm like, I just don't get a good vibe. And you risk and you say, all right, yeah, I'm going to walk away from a placement fee, but I don't want someone to go in there and it's just going right. to be a disaster and my reputation will blow up and it's, it's not worth it. No, it's not. In integrity is everything. And if you're going to be in this for the long haul, then your reputation is you know, your name and is, is everything. So yeah. I'd rather um, walk away from a placement and um, then, then, then sully yeah. my reputation. I've actually had it clear where I would, I would say to them, I don't really feel comfortable about someone because such and such and such, because like there's one person who kind of fibbed about something in his background and just, just you know how like it's okay if you did but you said well not only you come up but it's like just so blatant and i'm like all right what other things right and the company was like no that's okay because it's a hot such a hot market that they just looked the other way because they figured hey we need to get somebody we'll just pretend that never happened which is really odd yeah i mean if that usually if that happens to me i will i mean i will have the client sign something stating <laughs> Claire told me this and, you know, my, my replacement guarantee is null and void if this person yeah. leaves before da, 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 da. Yeah. And, and that's happened. And, and they're, then they're like, I'm so sorry. I should have listened to you. <laughs> so so how, how would someone get on your radar? You know, so if you want, let's say someone wanted to use, you know, use your services, they're looking for a new job, maybe they're in between work or they want to get a better job. Like what would make them attractive so that you would either notice them on LinkedIn or if they want to contact you directly, what they should say or do? Um, so, um, I mean, we've been around for 43 years. So a lot of, in our niches anyway, our niche, our niches, um, a lot of the presidents and CEOs we've taken throughout their careers. So wow. we have a huge database um, with, you know, we have, we have more than one, I think. Sometimes I have to go, hey, <laughs> to our IT guy and say, can you go back to the old one? <laughs> I'm looking for somebody from way back when. Yeah. But um, we have a lot. We have so many of those contacts in our in our RATS. Um, uh, and then, so everything we do, um, for the most part, other than posting, if, you know, most of our searches are confidential. Um, and when we, if we post something, we'll post it on our website, um, but it, it, you won't be able to really tell a whole lot other than, you know, you won't be able to tell who it is. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll, we'll post hot jobs on LinkedIn. I think you, you, people may see those things and that's the company posting everybody's jobs on each of our, our web, our uh, LinkedIn pages. But, um, you know, everything that, that we do is, is, is basically word of mouth. I mean, we're calling people that we know in the industry and asking for referrals, um, speaking to, speaking to, to individuals that, that, you know, we know are at certain companies, but, um, as far as LinkedIn goes, you know, I mean, obviously we have LinkedIn recruiter. I don't know, um, how many, how many, how many regular people, folks out there know about that, but it's there. <laughs> so, 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 so this is like, I think a dilemma for people then too. So I can see you have, 
accumulated from over the years is big network of people. So you could go into your database and, and say, oh, hey, here's Jack Kelly. We helped place him years ago, or he's a hiring manager. Let me contact him for this job. But what if they're not there, but they, you know, they know you, they know your company and want to get on your radar? Well, what would you suggest they do? Well, they're, they, they'll either find me through LinkedIn. I mean, it's okay. just like during the downturn when people right. left our industries and went outside and then we, we had to go and find them. We found them through LinkedIn um, because we knew their name and we knew what their background was already, right? Um, uh, I mean, our website, uh, our social media, we have a pretty big social media uh, presence, um, not only on Facebook, but on LinkedIn, on Twitter and on Instagram, on YouTube. Um, so, so they'll come to you. So they may see it and they're like, how, what, what would be something where they should say? Like, let's say I see you on, you know, LinkedIn and I see one of your job postings and I want to get a hold of you. Are there like some things that you suggest I would say to really make my, you know, as a candidate, make myself stand out and things I shouldn't say or do? To be honest. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it, 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 I, I need, I mean, I, I, I will pull honesty out of people as hard as I will try as hard as I can to get people to relax and, and be honest with me because, um, you know, it, it, if, if you can tell after, after, after almost 19 years, um, and you know this, Jack, um, it's so funny because we do so much over the phone and, um, it's like our ears are, 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 are tuned in to if somebody's telling the truth or not, you know, I mean, I can tell when somebody's, I just, it's just this feeling you get, you know, I can tell when somebody's kind of not telling me the truth, but. So you um, be authentic. What would like, so if I'm a job seeker and there's a role for like a senior VP and I'm like an associate level and I'm trying to pretend like, oh yeah, I could do this, be, you know, senior VP role. Right. It's like, you're like, Jack, I can help you, but. Come on. <laughs> I, I know I, I you know yep. at that and I do that all I mean I, I talk to people there's been a lot of people that um, have contacted me just since you and I have met um, mm -hmm. that that are not necessarily in in the industries that we work in um, some are some could be um, you know some want to pivot you know and I've been helping people with that uh, as well but um, I mean I, I, I talk with people all the time about mm -hmm. uh, you know if they're they're they think they're they're a good fit for a you know, like you said an SVP search, and they're really at an associate level. I'll talk to them more about. I mean, we'll go through all of that. Not I'm cool. I'm just as honest on the other end. It'd so. be cool that you you know you're not going to lead them on and say oh yeah this could work when you don't know. Oh no. no. Talking, you see okay this role right now might not be the perfect fit. Right. But you know I'll keep you in mind for other things if you feel that person has the skills, the background, and all that kind of good stuff. Absolutely, because. Um, you know, not doing anything else isn't isn't helping anyone. It's not helping them. It's not helping me. It's not, you know. I want to be as helpful as I can, and and I want to be as honest as I can. But if if somebody's not a fit, they're not a fit, and um, that doesn't mean that there's not something else around the corner tomorrow or next week or next month that they that you know they would be a fit for. But um, I would definitely you know, talk to them about, about their experience and get to know them as a person and, yeah. and um, well, that's good what makes them tick. See, that's good that you do that because I think the knock on recruiters is that they don't do it. And, and so I got quite, I don't know if this was a question or, or more of a statement. So William Hodge was uh, saying something to the effect of candidates need to know recruiters are primarily working for their client. 
uh, firms and not necessarily them, which I think, yeah, I think, William, that's a good point because therein lies, I think, issues why there's a disconnect between job seekers and recruiters and, and there gets frustration because when um, the way it works is, yeah, a company will call up Claire or myself and say, hey, we have this job order, here's what we're looking for, here's a comp, so on, so on. And they're the ones who are gonna pay us. So even though I view, and I, I'm curious how you view yourself, I, I view myself almost like a matchmaker. So then I have to find the person who fits the bill and we make, you know, and work well with the company. And the company has to be the right fit for that person and try to put them all together. But at the end of the day, the company's paying for it. But then also, if you don't have the candidate, nothing's going to happen. So I look at you have to, yeah, even though one pays and the other doesn't, you need the two to put together because if you don't, it's just not going to happen. There's a fine balance. And I think it's, I think it's really important to, to care about your candidates. Um, I mean, 99% of my candidates uh, or my clients have, were my candidates at one point. And um, that's a good and, sign. And yes, that's it is. Really and and I, yeah. I think that that comes simply from, you know, really getting to know somebody, um, yeah. not, not forgetting about them, keeping in touch with them. Um, I mean, so many of them, I know the, I know the, the spouses, I know the kids' names. I know I've, I've got pictures of kids and dogs on my, my refrigerator. Yeah. Um, from think, candidates that I've had for years. Do you think that's because you're kind of the Southwest and it's very different than New York, which is much more- It could be, I don't know, I'm just being me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, because I don't, you know, I noticed, it's so, so funny, recruiting, there's such a difference I noticed between people who, who like live in New York and New Jersey and Boston compared to someone who's, you know, in Florida or, or Texas. It's a different, it's way different. They're much nicer. Like I, I kind of love when I work on, on assignments outside of New York, these people are so much friendlier and they're nicer and they're not as mean. Well, and it's, it's a difference. And I think maybe that's why the recruiters are, you know, the New York ones, uh, and I'll speak for myself too. Sometimes it can be just kind of just, you know, harsh, you know, <laughs> sometimes a little rude. It's hard for me to imagine you being that way, but. If, if you're saying so, <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to. I, you know, I try. Uh, but it is. But William, you're right. It's it, it does factor in, and I can see how that leads to frustration where people may think, okay, just you know, because the client's paying, you're just gonna do whatever. But you know, you, some of it may for, for me. Some of it may stem from the fact that when I when I very first started at Joseph Chris, mm -hmm. we had a different structure. Um, I mean, I'm an ex I'm an executive partner. Um, currently, um, we used to have what we, we called, which were just really just recruiters that worked for the partners and just pulled in resumes all day. I mean, I run my, I run my entire desk at this point. Um, uh, I don't, I, I used to have back in the day when, you know, <laughs> I used to have a couple, I used to have three recruiters, but, um, I think, you know, I, when I started with the company, I started on that side and learn the business um, and I was only dealing with candidates. And so I think when you're, when you're in that position versus working with the client, working the full cycle, the full desk and working with the client as well, um, you put so much stock into your candidates, right? Cause you want your candidates, you, 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 you want your candidates to be the candidate, right? And so I think that helped, I think that helped me um, be a better, 
uh, works better with the clients. I mean, I, I you know, yeah, I mean, a I, uh, it's a, you know, it's such a good point because you know what happens is this: when you deal, because I, I, I the same way, I would, I would do everything because right? I like that. I like you know all the aspects of it. But when you're dealing with the candidates, especially I remember when I first started, right? When I first started, and I would get, I would get so involved, and I like be friends and buddies with them. And then when they get a job, I'd be kind of sad because I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be dealing with them for a while. Did, did you know what? Did you go? Did you ever go through that? It's like, oh man, we've been talking like every day for several months, and now goodbye. Yeah. Because you build up that well, but it's not. But I don't ever let it be goodbye. I yeah. mean, I keep in touch. You know. Yeah. Hey, happy first month anniversary. Happy 90 yeah. day anniversary. Happy six months. Happy one year. Happy eight yeah. years. I just did an eight year one the other day. And they're like, That's what? Nice. <laughs> eight years. <laughs> like, huh? Feeling when you see that, like someone is like you place and eight years later, maybe they started out at like the ground level and now they're up here and you're like, wow, I made yeah. such a difference. And I helped this person get there. Yep. I remember when I became a partner, the day I became a partner, I had been, I had been talking to, um, someone up in the Pacific Northwest who uh, I had been trying to recruit and I thought he was their VP of construction. He was actually the president and, and one of the owners of the company. Mm -hmm. And we got to be friends. And then the day I became a partner, I received um, three, three retainers from him for three searches. Wow, nice. And when I went up a couple of years ago to visit them, and I, I used I visit them pretty regularly, but um, I went up a couple of years ago to visit them and we went uh, from Bend, Oregon over to uh, Boise, Idaho for a regional meeting. And the person who at the time was running uh, their Boise or their Idaho region, I had placed him when he was barely 18 years old. Wow. And I had placed him as an assistant project manager and he was their regional director, which is like a regional president for that That's region. Cool. And he, he, he was about to, he was turning 30 that week. And when I walked in, he's like, Claire, and I'm like, Ryan. And then the, 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 the CEO goes, so how did, how did, how did, uh, how did you two meet anyway? And, and Ryan looks at me and he goes, I don't know. I was just up on the roof hammering in some shingles and my cell phone rang and it was clear. <laughs> and so, I was like, and he Dennis looked at me and I was like, I'm sorry, the CEO looked at me and I was like, I really don't remember. That was a long time ago. <laughs> so that is remarkable. So like yeah. he starts out as, as working on the roof and now he's a, a regional president. That's amazing. Yep. That's cool. See, that's what I think maybe sometimes we as a as a, a kind of a, a sector don't promote this enough that there's such like you can tell like in her voice, there's such joy when you can play someone and make a difference in their lives. It's yes. You know, well, that's what it's really about. Cool. That's what it's about. I mean, you know, you're moving people across the families across the country. You know, to me, if I'm if I'm going to move a family across the country, it better be for a darn good reason. You know, and and, and I want it to be a, a, a happy thing and a forever thing. And I, you know, I want everybody to be happy. Cause, cause Kids and that. the dogs, <laughs> you know, everyone. Yeah, makes, 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 let's take that person for example. Let's say let's just make up numbers. You know, so he's a young fella. And maybe he's making twenty thousand a year. And fast forward eight years, maybe he's making two hundred thousand a year. Think about oh, he's making more than that. So think about the life, just the life. How different it is, yeah. you know. But for the fact of maybe you being there at the right time and him being at the right time and getting that and going where he is makes all the difference between having, you know, maybe having more kids, a bigger house, being able to travel, Absolutely. maybe pay for their college. I mean, 
it really is, it's, it's, it's a really cool thing. And, and that's what's so frustrating, I think, about our profession is that you really don't talk about these things. And all you do is you talk about like, oh, I got blown off. I got ghosted. I didn't get feedback. But we don't, I don't think, and that's why I wanted to bring you on and I'm going to bring out other recruiters too, to talk about this stuff. Because this way, I think job seekers can get a better perspective and not just, you know, because like they're going to hear you and think, okay, I thought all recruiters could be these like sharks that just don't care. And clearly they're cares. So, you know, it's, it shows a different perspective than the narrative that's out there. It does. And, and, you know, I don't know how not to care. I mean, it's, it's, it's my nature, but um, it's, it's made all the, it, 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 it's, it's what gives me the joy in what I do. Yeah. I mean, I am changing people's lives. I am trying to make people's lives better. Um, you know, it, it, it's important to me not to work with clients that I wouldn't move to go work for. You know, if they're not a, a company I would want to work for, why would I want to send somebody else over there? So, you know, I, I factor all of those things in um, on both ends. So now, with, you, I'm you, definitely not in it just for the placement. Yeah, you know, you hear a lot of people say, like, oh, the whole, you know, interview process is broken, recruiting is broken, not just recruiting, but just the whole recruiting process, the whole interview process. How is it after like almost 20 years, you know, when you start to now, are you, are you seeing there just more kind of challenges in terms of getting things done or? You it? know, I, social media has made things easier on one hand and more difficult on another, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are so many more things to keep up with. Um, millennials don't like to talk on the phone. How do you really get to know somebody if you can't have a conversation with them? They like to text and email. They don't like to talk on the phone. Um, and and I, I understand that. Um, but I mean, for me, at some point, you know, if, if I can't, I, I'm going to have to talk to them on the phone. I have to get to know who they are. I have to hear them. Because how can you know somebody through the text? It's impossible. Through you can't. It's impossible. No. They're, and you can't even, there's no, there's no inflection in an in, in yeah. email you know, how many times emails and texts are misinterpreted by the person on the other end. It happens. You said time. something that's so, I can't agree well with you, that when you're on the phone after all these years, I think I can kind of be a better judge by the phone sometimes than actually seeing the person in person. Because then I get, you know how they talk about unconscious biases and that, but I think when you're on the phone, you're just listening so intently that you're just really absorbing everything without like looking to see what they look like and how they are. Right. And it's because we've done it for so long, yeah. Jack. Our, I mean, our, 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 I don't know. It's like spidey sense in the ears. <laughs> just pick it up. Like every little nuance in terms of what they say, what they do, what they don't say. And right? you know, it's like, you know, like you got a computer in your mind going and weighing and calculating all the odds. Okay, is this going to work for this person or not because of all these different things? Exactly. And what would That's you say, exactly. like, when you meet with these people and talk to these people, are there certain things that they do that you feel, and, and then also in the interview process that you cringe, you go, oh my God, why would they do this? This is such a bad thing to do. And other times like, hey, they do such and such. You're like, oh my God, that's brilliant that you keep doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, it really, it's gonna depend on the position and, and mm -hmm. what type of person I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you can tell when you're dealing with somebody that's, that's sleazy, if you're talking to somebody that, that's just kind of, you know, cringeworthy, um, it, it's pretty easy to, to hear. 
in their voice. Um, but as as far as what I'm what I'm what I'm looking for or listening for is is honesty and authenticity and um, someone that genuinely cares, you know, genuinely is, 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 is wanting to improve their life, the life of their family, their career, and uh, whether it, whether it's taking it, you know, taking their next step or, you know, I mean, I, 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 I spent some time on the phone with an individual the other day that wants to switch industries and he's, he's in, he's, he's in one of our industries, but he wants to get in, into a different one that's completely different. And, and what a wonderful young man. And I, I just, I just thought, gosh, you know, and, and, and I gave him all kinds of tips on how I thought he should go about doing it. And, and none of them were going to include me, but that's okay because he's not going to forget who I am. <laughs> well, that's, that's really good that you do that. You know, cause a lot of people don't, and that's awesome. You do that to spend the time and energy and what well, pays off later. Uh, Everything comes around. You know what I find that's a challenge. I don't know if you see this too. And this is what puts recruiters in the crosshairs, you know, as William Hodge asked that question about, or you know, a statement about, hey, you know, who pays your bill? So that's who you might be beholden to. But there's there's a lot of validity to that. And that company will say, hey, Claire, you here's what we need. You know, they have, and give a list of 10, 20 different things that they have to do. And then you get, you know, a candidate, and the candidate has four or five, but they're awesome and they're brilliant. But then you know, like, even though they want to kind of go into it, they don't have it. And you know the, the client's just going to give you grief because they're going to say, no, Claire, I wanted to have all this. So it, it creates this kind of friction. Well, and, 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 and if they have, you know, three out of five things, then you have that conversation with your client anyway, um, especially if there's that extra thing inside. You, you find that they're open? Them. When you do, do you find that your, your, your clients are, are open with that, that they only have like three or four? Some are, some are, some are very open and yeah. some aren't. I have some clients that are like, I don't care if we're, if you know, if we're looking for anything or not, if you know our, our culture inside and out. And if yeah. you find somebody anywhere that's a fit for our culture, we want to know who they are and we want to talk to them. See, it's so interesting. Now, I don't know if it's a regional thing or maybe an industry, because I focus more on Wall Street, the Wall Street hedge fund, private equity, those kind of things. And there's really not an appetite to say, okay, hey, your candidate, you know, went, let's, let's make the, you know, went to like a top university, great grades, smart, great background, but they don't have all the stuff. They'll be like, meh, let's keep looking. Yeah. Seriously. And it's, it's, and like, you want to say, wait, wait, what? This person, I'll make you know, a Yale graduate, you know, an MBA from Stanford and Come on, obviously they're smart. Went to MIT. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but we really want someone who's been doing this for X amount of years and doing this. And yeah, and then what ends up happening, I think that frustrates job seekers because they're, they're thinking, hey, I can do it if you give me a shot. Why don't you give me a shot? No. And being the middleman, you bear, you know, you get- you have, to, you have to handle it with care. Yeah. You know, love and care. And and just because one one thing doesn't work out doesn't mean there's not something else that's that's next that that will and that's what people need to understand um i know william hodge said hey you know people need to understand that that their their clients are the ones that are paying them but at the same time like i said 99 percent of my clients were at once my were at one time my candidates and if i hadn't taken care of those candidates uh, with the uh in the way that i did they wouldn't be my clients today 
see, it, it, here's here's a kind of challenge that happens with recruiting. We've kind of given you know a little inside baseball for people who are watching it. So you know, some might it might be interesting. Others might be like, all right, just just tell me how I can get a job. So I'll I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll find out. Same thing. You know, you play somebody, and now they're looking to leave. But then it's awkward because you don't want to take them out of a place you place them there. Because usually, number one, contracts say you can't for a certain amount of time. Well, ethically, you don't feel cool about it. But then, if you don't, then all of a sudden that person hates you. Because yeah, we, like, or you we can't, can't ever. Them. It does. I don't care if it's been a hundred years. If we yeah. place them there, we can't pull them out ever. So, never, never, ever. But then sometimes what I find out if let's say you don't take them out because you don't feel it's the right thing to do, they they don't understand it. And then they think you're a bad guy or woman because you're not helping them. And it's like, I'd like to help you, but you know, it's not really an ethical thing to right. do. Most people, when I've, I've been in that situ situation, most people have understood yeah. um, that, you know, I mean, there's no integrity in poaching from your client. So, um, all right, most I'm people, sorry, most people understand that. I'm starting to think there's a big, gap between Dallas and the Southwest and the Northeast. I think uh, I'm, I'm, maybe that's why everybody's moving to there because it's nicer <laughs> people are nice than people here. And I'm a native New Yorker, so I feel I can say that. I guess maybe it's just different here. It's not as, you know, but you hear Southern- I'd probably get chewed up and spit out in Wall Street, <laughs> Jack. Well, let's be honest, you hear Southern hospitality, you ever hear like New York hospitality, right? It's not a thing. So I don't know. It is interesting because just in the brief, like we're talking about here, I see so many differences where it, it seems from what you're going through, there's much more accommodation, you know, on all sides of it. Where, and again, it could be the industries that I'm, I know best that's just really, you know, hey, here's what we want, this is what you got to do. And if you don't do it, sorry, next, next, next. I think it may be. Well, I, I think it may be because you're, you're Wall Street, yeah. right? And yeah. um, I mean, the rest of the world's not. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. I, I guess they're nicer. <laughs> so, so it all flows together. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I think you're, I think you're wonderful. So, I've I'm never. I, you know, but I, I, I like I'm I. Like I'm, nice. I'm really heartless. Yeah. Terrible. Years yeah. ago, before I got into this industry, okay. um, I was I was in the medical field for um, psychiatric okay. field actually for like ten years, and um, I just remember one candidate, uh, one candidate, one one uh, uh, patient calling in, and he was a New Yorker, and and he, I was almost in tears when I got off the phone with him because he was so. <laughs> And then once he came in and, and we met and we, we ended up, you know, talking for a while, he was like, he was like, he was like, I was his, I was his new best friend, you know, so go that figure. Okay. I just didn't know how to handle it. I just know how to handle him on the phone. That's not uncommon here where you could just be, and then two minutes later, oh, hey, what'd you think of that, you know, giant game? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit more socially acceptable to be like that. I don't know. I'm completely generalizing, but that's what it is. No. Um, so, like, so, so basically, if somebody wants to approach you, or you would suggest to other recruiters, um, to other, to you know, get in front of other recruiters, is big thing. It sounds like Claire, you're saying is be authentic and be real and be yourself, so that the recruiter kind of gets a sense. Okay, this is who you are, and if you're good for the job, and I guess from just from you know, Claire and I talking, it may be very different, depends on the industry you're in. That some might be much more open-minded and say, okay, 
you only have three of the 10 ingredients, we'll give you a shot. Others may not. So that could also be why it's so challenging for job seekers, because it's not one consistent thing across the board. You know, it could change geography, sector, you know, type of companies. So that I could see why job seekers could feel like skin of Rex, you know, like what's going on? Why, you know, a buddy of mine got this great job and they only had three out of the 10. I have like nine out of 10, I'm not getting it. Maybe that's one of the reasons. You know, it, it, and and if 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 we're if we're talking about um, or or talking about people that uh, do have LinkedIn accounts and are active job seekers, I mean, there there are certainly um, multiple things that they can do to their profile um, to get them noticed by CEOs, hiring managers, HR recruiters um, that that don't cost them a thing. Um, there are, there are, uh, you know, I, I think a free account now I'm grandfathered in cause I've been on LinkedIn for so long. So I have more, but uh, a free account on LinkedIn, I think you can have, a, you can be in up to 50 groups. Um, so if someone was to, this is what I tell people all the time. I'm like, okay, so what you need to do is you need to take a piece of paper on a Saturday and, and search the groups on LinkedIn and, and write down all the groups that have anything and every, I don't care if there's 300 of them, anything and everything to do with what you do and what you want to do, right? And then, and, if, and write down how many members are in that group and then go back through and pick 50, the 50 that have the most members in them. Because as soon as you get in that group, then all of a sudden, everybody else that's in that group with you, it doesn't matter for your first, second or third connection you can send them emails back and forth. You can chat with them constantly. When they, when, when, you know, LinkedIn is the, the number one business networking tool in the world. And so all the CEOs are on it, all the heads of HR are on it, all the recruiters are on it. And um, when somebody does a keyword search, you know, be sure you've got all the right keywords on your, on your profile, be sure your picture's professional. But when somebody does a keyword search, and you have you happen to be in that group with them because what a lot of groups have over you know five hundred thousand a million members um, in them, and uh, anytime they do a search, you're going to come up in their search. Whereas before you wouldn't have if you wouldn't have been in that group. And you can change those groups on a regular basis. You can switch them out. You know, so, so that's a, that's something that that I tell job seekers all the time, is is to be sure that you've got those fifty groups, that you've got the largest of those fifty groups because that gives you access to and people access to you that, that that wasn't there before going both ways. So what about the, you started talking also about the profile, what would you suggest for people to do for their uh, profile? Be you, sure that they've got the right keywords in there, um, the right skills. Um, and I would always suggest having uh, at least three to five written recommendations, not just those little endorsement things that people can do, but actual written recommendations, you can, uh, there's somewhere on there and LinkedIn's changed here recently. So I'm exactly where I would need to go find it, but somewhere on your profile, there is a, a, a way to send uh, an invitation to somebody you're connected with that say you used, to, you used to work with or whatnot, or maybe even that you currently do um, and ask them to write a, a recommendation for you and that you'll write one for them in return. And it's that easy. And, uh, and then it's, 
right there on your profile for, for people to see. I know that a lot of companies, a lot of really large companies will only hire off of LinkedIn and will only look at candidates that have a certain number of written recommendations on their LinkedIn profiles. And um, so I think it's important to have that on there. Yeah. And, and it's an easy thing to do. It, it is. And what I notice uh, from a recruiting standpoint that gets frustrating is let's say you're conducting a search but whatever it may be, and you look at the profile and it's so bare bones that you're like, hmm, kind of looks like they do it, but I'm not sure. And then it just becomes easy to move on and just say, you know what, I can't sit here and just try to decipher are you exactly a fit or not, I'll go on to the next one. So I think they sell themselves short by not having a fully fleshed out profile that just right. jumps and say, hey, here's what I do. And so anybody, even if it's not a recruiter, just any, random person looks at your profile and say, oh, I get what you do. Okay. Right. Right. And if somebody's currently employed, they don't have to, you know, they obviously, you know, don't have to put that they're, they're open to, right. um, to work or anything like that. Um, but they definitely don't want to, to put it to where people can't send them an email. Um, if they really are, you know, if they really do want to look at something else. Um, I've, I've come across that I don't know, four or five different times yesterday where I was trying to send somebody an in-mail and I couldn't because this person does not accept in-mails and I'm thinking, well, that's silly, you know? <laughs> that's another thing people do, which is so bizarre, whether on the resume you have or, or LinkedIn, you have a phone number and you forgot to change it because you moved jobs or you just changed your phone number or your email address, you changed your email and you didn't update it. So, you know, you try to get a hold of the person and you call them and the phone's disconnected because they forgot to change it. It's like, Sometimes it's those very simple things. And, and at, at, that, at that point, then, then you try to figure out where they are. If you can figure yeah. out where they're working, then you, you call them to work, yeah. right? Do you, do you ever get this, they call you at work? Why are you calling me at work? Do you get, does that happen to you or not? My, my, favorite, my favorite one is, oh, hi, honey. Yes, no, I'll be, happy to, I'll be happy to pick that up on my way home. Can I call you back in 15 minutes? I'm in a meeting. I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> So they have to play the part like, oh, this is not a recruiter. You know, this is, that's, I like that. That's, that's yeah. so cool. It happens. Oh my God. I remember like when I first started and, you know, you have to call, call in and you get receptions and you have to somehow find a way to have that receptionist put you through to whoever you want to get through. And it became like a game of how, what do I say? How do I get through? How do I move forward? When sometimes you get these jaded receptions that know what's really happening. Oh, I know the first call I ever made, Jack, when they answered the phone, I hung up. Yeah, sure. of course. I know I did. I know I did. And I know I did. And um, but but now it just seems like if you just act like you know who you're calling for, if you're just friendly mm -hmm. and then keep a smile on your face, because yeah. as I've said in some of your other things, your other Zoom meetings before, uh, you can tell over the phone when somebody's smiling and when they're not, yeah. uh, you can hear it in their voice. And, um, you know, I'll just say, you know, you know, hi, is, hi, is Jack in, you know, and typically they, they think, oh, well, this person knows him. So yeah, sure. Hold on. Let me, let me transfer right. you. Oh, oh, he's in a meeting. You want his, want his voice? Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that'd be great. Or do you want a cell phone? Sure. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It really is, it's, it's, but I think it's going to be the calls are dying hard. It's like, I don't know about you, but I'm, I still have landlines and every other call, and even on the cell now too, is we're calling about your warranty or Google doesn't have your address or it's, I, it's very rare to get calls anymore. 
except those robocalls. I know. I, I have to keep myself. I, I'm using I'm using my um, internet, my VoIP um, uh, phone right now, but I keep my cell phone on Do Not Disturb all day long because otherwise I'd be fielding between 50 and 100 telemarketing phone calls a day and it's okay. driving me nuts because I've had this number for like almost 30 years. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to change it myself. So when my kids, when the phone rings, my kids look at the phone like, what is it? like? It's it's like, what, 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 what is that? What? I'm not going to answer it. They just assume it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. I got a few other questions. I didn't mean to be rude. I'm looking down. I'm just looking at some of the questions that come in. Um, so, uh, Megan Schuler, uh, I got to, you know, I'm at the age now where I got to kind of do this, but I'm looking. Megan Schuler, I'm a copywriter in advertising with a very specific niche clientele. I'm struggling with getting recruiters. They charge to see the skill set set fit first. She's never worked on our product. This is kind of what we I was talking about before, where if you don't have that right fit, like what the heck do I, so yeah. What, what would you say to someone, Megan, now she's a copywriter, but just generally, okay, you don't have the exact, you know, fit, but to be able to get the attention of a recruiter or an HR person to at least give you a shot. Well, I, I, I actually personally will stop and, and look up, I will, I will try to find a search firm that, that specializes in what they do and refer them over to them. Um, I do that all the time. You know what? That's such a, you know, smart thing that I think what happens, again, this is because there's not, there's, there's so much that people don't- I mean, I'll never be able to place a copywriter, yeah. right, ever. <laughs> Even, no, no, no matter. I mean, it's just, it just not, it's just not going to happen. Um, but, but I'll be more than happy to to talk to them and 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 about their qualities and and, yeah. and their, you know, the things. So, that, so, so that, Megan, what, what you know, you know, to amplify what Claire is saying is that what has to happen with recruiters, oftentimes successful recruiters, um, they they end up focusing on you know, one niche or several niches. And that's why they get good because they know that industry, they know the people, they know the players, they know the companies, they know what works and what doesn't work. And so if you have that right background and the right skills for it, a recruiter who specializes in your area, like in your area of copywriting, then they can help you because they get it, they know it. But if you speak to other recruiters in a different field, they don't know. And recruiters, like anyone else, they have egos. So they don't want to say, like Claire just said, well, I can't, and I, I would say that too. I put a gun to my head. I wouldn't know how. I wouldn't know anything about it. It take me months to figure out who's who in that industry. So that you, I would suggest you need to find, don't just look for a recruiter. You want to really drill down and find a who specializes in copywriting. And then I don't even know enough about copywriting to say like, okay, what are the ancillary things too? But in those, and then just focus on that. And then focus on ones who um, deal with them, whether geography you want to go to, Right. Uh, the type of companies, because then it could be more appropriate. A, a recruiter, like I said, the best, I, I, I'm generalizing, but usually the best recruiters are the ones who really know one or two or three areas and know it really well. Right. And, and then the ones to help you. And if it's just a recruiter, they may never place the copyright. So they're not going to know much. And it leads to a lot of frustration on your part because you're going to think, hey, they should be able to help me, but they don't. And the, and the truth is, too, is that the recruiters at the end of the day, they don't talk about it too much. It's based on what jobs they currently have. Right. So if they have a lot of jobs that fit for a copywriter, they're gonna be glad to help you because it's in their own self-interest because if they place you, they're gonna get a fee. But if they don't have the jobs, 
there's not much they can do. And so like, it's, but a lot of, instead of telling you that, like we're telling you now, they don't say anything and you're left like, what the heck? So yeah, my advice, I think Claire is saying that as well, find, try to do some homework to find, you know, exactly who they are. And, and I'm not right. supposed to do this. So I don't want to self-promote my recruiter that has a recruiter director, but you know, there are places that, <laughs> you know, directories where you can find the, you know, the exact kind of recruiters to help you. Uh, so I hope, hope that helps a little bit. And, and you could, you could, you could hit me or Claire up and we could uh, to talk to you offline, you know, later on, just to maybe brainstorm a little bit, see who you Absolutely. Can. Now, what else would you find out where, wait, here's another. So, um, Sir, Sarita Das, given how technology has evolved, the recruiting process, how do you get around, they say the bots, so I don't know if they mean bots or the APS. But I guess I guess they, they were, I, I'm presuming what, what what they're saying is like okay with so much technology, how do you make sure you don't get lost? Uh, I mean, when I think of bots, I think of like there's bots on Twitter. Yes. So I think bots you probably on use like a system kind of thing where you know people say hey you know you fill out an application and it goes into a black hole these companies and you know and no one notices your resume or your application. And how do you kind of fight back against that? It sounds like where he's going with that. Well, I, you need to get to know, you need to, you need to really get to know a recruiter and, and know your recruiters um, and, and work with more than one. Um, but I think that if, if you form a relationship with someone and you're genuine, um, that's, I mean, for me, that's, I don't forget people. Um, so I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you just need to be, again, it comes back to being authentic, um, uh, to being, to being genuine. And, and, uh, if, if somebody's not spending the time to talk to you at all, don't waste your time with them, you know, move on, find the next person. I agree. It's kind of, kind of a combination. I think particularly yeah. what I've seen over the last bunch of months during the pandemic, it's, it's just so hard for people to get noticed so that whether it's a recruiter or, you know, you kind of do that six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon separation to find out who do you know, who knows someone who knows somebody at that company mm -hmm. so that you can have someone champion your cause. Because I think if you're just sending resumes in and that's it and hoping for the best, could it work? Yeah, but it's hard. The odds are against you. But if you- Yeah, know, they are. Right? If you have someone like Claire, right, who, who and you're in the real estate industry and other industries you specialize in, hey, she can knock down doors to try to find something for you. Um, if let's say she can't help you because it's a different industry, well, maybe you wanna find who you know at that company that you wanna work for, find a human being and please, <laughs> hey, can you, can you get my resume in front of this hiring manager? I'm perfect for this job. Can you help me out? Can you, can you say a good word for me? Because I think the human touch is not gonna go away. And I guess this is a, a maybe. I a, hope not. Right? I, I think I think you know what? It's it's now more than ever. I see that you need that human touch to get past all this technology, and that's I, I don't know if that's where he's coming or she's coming from with that, but it does feel that way. That you know you sit there on your computer, you're sending out apps, you're sending out resumes, you don't know what happens, and it's it's just so frustrating. If you have a human being, if you have a recruiter who can go fight for you or you know somebody who works at the company, you know someone who knows someone who works at the company, that makes right. all the difference. Because then you, you know you have 
so different when you can have a recruiter say, hey, Jane is really awesome. I've had, you know, it, you know, online interviews with her. Here's why she's so great for the job. Here's what she's done. Here's a little anecdote about her that really made her stand out to me. And then if you're a hiring manager, wow, I have 10 resumes sitting here, but like they're just pieces of paper. But now I know all about Jane. I'm like, right. Wow. right. She's a multifaceted. I got a lot of color and texture on her. Yeah, let, let's talk to her. The same thing. Even if not a recruiter, you get somebody who can do that for you at the company, then they'd be like, okay, hey, if Jack is really recommending this person as a non-recruiter, just as regular Jack guy, yep. hey, maybe you should take a look at Claire, see her background, here's why I think she's great. And you have a stack of resumes and you don't want to go through each one of them. You're like, all right, yeah, I'll talk to Claire. So so I think, I think yeah, I think the thing is finding a human, finding that's a, right. a recruiter that, or a human that's right. who can that's right. advocate for you. You know, pull some strings for you, cajole for you, twist some arms for you. And I'm not saying that lightly. You kind of have to do that in this market. You really have, uh, it's, it's really tough. It you know? is. And you, you've done so much to, to really try and help, help others that are out there struggling right now. And, and I love that about you. And I've loved being involved in that. Um, it shows how much you care. And I think a lot of people really appreciate that about you, Jack. Nice. Um, um, but, you know, one of the things that I do is, is when I'll, I'll get a great person, a great candidate that, you know, I just don't have a job for right now, or their company doesn't have a job for right now that I know is, is going to be a good, you know, would be a great candidate in the future. Or, you know, every once in a while, we'll get, like I said, we'll get a client that says, you know what, I'm just looking for, you know, these, these three types of, you know, these, these, these three things in, in a person. Um, I don't care where what what the, where they where they come from. That happens every once in a while, um, not all the time. But um, I will tell people, look, you know, I, I'll get to know them. Um, I will I'll get all of their information in the system so that everybody in the company can easily pull them up when they you know by keyword search. Um, but I'll tell them I'll say, hey, look, if you see a if you see a job posting out there that you know falls anywhere within any of our verticals and before you shoot your resume off into who knows where you know and there's a, a, a an intern that is just out of college and has been told to you know look for these three words and if you find these three words on the resume then put it in this pile if not put it on this pile and they're going through 5,000 resumes they have no idea what they're looking at you know I'm like once you send it out can't help you. But if you take two seconds to call me and ask me if our company has any relationships with XYZ company that has this job you're, you're talking about, then I can give you a warm introduction and we can skip that whole, where'd my resume go? And I never heard back from anybody. Yeah. Um, Cause we can go straight to the hiring manager typically. At that it's point. a different, it's such a difference, right? We, we yeah. have that. Absolutely. Um, I had a question about this too. Do you think it's better to use a recruiter because they can, they're better at negotiating salaries than when somebody does it themselves. Have you, have you seen that? Do you agree with that? Oh yeah. Well, what's nice about that is that it keeps, you can be, the, the recruiter can be the middleman, right? The recruiter can keep everything nice and sweet between the client, the candidate and the client. Um, so that, you know, if the candidate has a question, they're not really comfortable asking the client, you know, about, you know, and, or, the, or the client has a question, they're not really comfortable asking the candidate, well, it's a lot easier for me to do it because I have a different relationship with the candidate and I have a different relationship with the client than they have with each other. And um, 
So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always better to have somebody else negotiating that for you. Right. What, what's it? I, I, I can't remember the exact expression when you say like a lawyer is a, a fool if he represents himself, herself, himself. I'm completely butchering it, but you know, that, that kind of thing is that, because if you do it yourself, you just have all the emotions, right? You have yeah. all the stuff that you're dealing it's with. It's too close. It's too close to home. It's hard yep. to keep your cool. Because like, I've seen that too, where, you know, you'll hear from people where they'll make an offer and they feel, how dare you make that offer? I should have more. And then they get angry. And the other party's like, oh, it's a negotiation. Why are you getting mad at me? Yeah. And it just, just unravels because right. it's hard to separate yourself from it. So I guess you got, you know, you have a recruiter who steps in who could be dispassionate about it and could kind of be that middle person. Right. And the recruiter really knows the client yeah. and their needs and why X, Y, or Z. And, and the recruiter really knows the candidate and where they're coming from, or they should. Yeah. Um, uh, they should know both, both, of, both of those right, things. Because right, then they can say, hey, you know what? You know what? They really, they're not just, they're not playing games. A lot of times they, you know, you feel the company's playing games with it. They're trying to lowball. So then if you have that recruiter, it's like, yes, sir. I work with this. Here's how they do. Because a lot of firms are different, right? Like some firms, you probably see this. We don't negotiate. I'll give our best offer first. That's it. Others, you know, if they give an offer of 100, you really know they can go to 110. They're giving, right. you know, they're giving more. So you kind of know how they work. So you know, like what to tell your caddy. All right. I think we could go to 110. But if we go 120, it's not going to work. But maybe it's, we should go 115 because then maybe we can get it. But if not, we can go. I know we can get the 110. So you kind of know how they are. So for sure. And, and, and I mean, some clients um, will absolutely, some clients you know absolutely want to put their best foot, foot forward and want to make that person happy immediately yes. um, so that they're like, oh my gosh, yes, you know, because everything else is wonderful and they love each other. Um, and other clients, you know, are expecting them to come back with a counteroffer. Yes, I find that because that's the how they are. I right? find that more the latter that they expect them to come back and they don't do it right all up front. Because I find out this too. So let's say you give the like right in front of the great one, then they start thinking, "Huh, this was too easy. Hmm, is something wrong, or maybe I didn't negotiate hard enough." And then they come back and they want more, and the company's like. We gave you a great offer, right? What, like, what are you doing? So sometimes having a recruiter in between can explain it. Hey, listen, Claire, they gave you a great offer. They just didn't want to go back and forth and negotiate. You're not leaving anything on the table. So you have that in-between person to smooth these rough edges out. And, it, and it's easy. And it, it's it when you've worked with, you, know, you say, hey, look, I've worked with this client for 10, 15, 18 years. Uh, you know, I know how they, I know their right. process. I know who they are. I've, I've spent time you know, I've, I've spent so much time with them, so much face-to-face -face time with them. And I, you know, I know them personally. I know, I know their, their personalities, their quirks and what they, what they believe and what's in their heart. Right. Um, and some clients, you know, that well, and, and, and some you don't, but um, I try to, I really try to really, really be an extension of my client companies to really understand their culture um, uh, and where they're coming from. Um, I think that makes a that makes does, a big difference. I really try to try to spend time with them, um, as any long term clients, uh, which most of mine are. So because that's because that's that's the value add that you bring to the table. Because you know by doing that, you really know who they are, what they're about, what they like, what they don't like, who right. can work, who won't work there. You know what kind of culture fit, how much money you can get, what kind of future, what kind of growth, and that's you can't get that from a job description. 
just not. No. You can't, you know, but no. you someone who's, you know, placed the person who's a roofer and who's now the, the you know, you know, big muckety muck over there. So like, right. it really makes a world of a difference. I have one last question that we have here too. Because believe it or not, that's been, been an hour already. That I went can't believe it. Crazy. Uh, could, could, would you recommend, is this okay if people use more than one recruiter when they're searching? Yes. You know, um, I think I think they should if, if they're un, especially if they're unemployed. Um, I think they should. I think I definitely think they should. Um, yeah. Do I think they should use like twenty? Probably not. Um, if they're employed and and and, an, and a recruiter and, and it's just one position, you know, then then no. But if they're if they're actively and, and that's probably who's listening to, to us right now, people that are actively looking yeah. um, because of COVID, they got laid off or you know one of those types of situations. Um, absolutely, you know there's 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 people all over the country that do different things and and work different ways and and there's you, you should be in in front of all of them when when you're in that situation. I mean you've got to take care of your family. Did you have it? Just curious, where in your, in your kind of area, when a company gives out a job, do they just give it to one or two recruiters, or they just give it to like, like a ton? Well, not my my clients don't typically do that. I mean, I I, I mostly do retain search. Mm -hmm. um, not a third and a third and a third. I don't like doing that much math. <laughs> but you know, what, let me explain to people who are watching so that. This is a great point, and, and you know what? I should we should have brought this up before, so that when you're doing recruiters, they're very different types, and it, it makes a big difference. So what Claire is saying, she works on retained searches, and what that means is that if it's a retained search, a company is going out to her and her company and saying, "Hey, you have an exclusive. You have this. You're the only company, the only recruiting company that's working on." So that when they contact you, you know you know they have that exclusivity. Right. Um, when you have contingency, and most recruiters, I do most of the work in contingency. Do you? It's like a doggy dog world. It's a really disgusting, dirty business because what yeah. happens is this you have a company that says, Hey, Jack, we want to give you guys here's this job, and you're all excited. And then you go, Okay, we're going to get on a call and, and go over more detail with the hiring manager. You get on the call, and there's like 20, and I'm not exaggerating, I'm not exaggerating, there'll be 10 other recruiting firms on there. And with those 10 other recruiting firms, there might be three or four or five people in each firm's. You know, going, you know, working on it. So now you have between 20 and 30 recruiters who are working on the same job, plus the company's internal recruiters are recruiting, and they post it on LinkedIn, they post it on Zip, they post it on, on wherever. Yeah. So you're battling everything. That's so, that's tough. So it's a it's, and that's why it could be frustrating for job seekers if you're not aware of how that is. And you're like, why did I get a call from five different recruiters for it? Is there something wrong with this job? Right. And the, and the, you know what? And Jack, I don't know if Wall Street, yeah. you know, if is if is if it's just normal for 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 Wall Street to to work that way in terms of having ten to twenty different recruiters. Yeah. But what I always tell clients is, you know, the reason I you know I like to work that way, and it, and it's not that I always did, um, but I mean I, I obviously grew into it. I mean I, I think our 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 firm is probably ninety percent retained. Um, um, newer people coming in probably have more contingency than than retained searches, but um, I'll tell the client, look, it doesn't make you look good when when you've got five, 10, 15 different people 
recruiters calling the same person, that individual that is then going, what is wrong with this company that they can't fill this job? You know, and, and I tell my clients that, you know, but I'll, I'll, or potential clients that, but, you know, before we sign anything, I'm like, look, you know, if if I'm going to, if I'm going to do all this work and do all this legwork for you, I need you to um, put some skin in the game. And, and, you know, it's not like I'm going to do anything with it. It's going to sit in escrow till I close the deal and I'm going to close the deal. Uh, But it just shows their commitment to processing the people that you've taken the time, you know, the hundred people that you went through before you got that first one that you knew was a, you know, the perfect fit for them. Yeah, it's so it's so bizarre how that is. And, and I'm, a typical thing, but we could be like this. You, know, you go on those conference calls and you dial in and then you hear, hey, it's Jack Kelly from Compliance Search. Hey, it's River from here. River from here. It's River from here. And like, you're like, it keeps going on. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, why am I, why would I want my team to, to like spend a lot of time working on this when there's like so many other people working on it? And then for job seekers, as you pointed out, if you get calls for once, twice, you see the job pop up everywhere. You start thinking, it's like anything else. If it's all over the place, how valuable is it? If it's everywhere, then you're like, no, right. it could be a great job. But it, gets, it seems devalued in the eyes of people because it's all over the place. But then what happens to the recruiters, you get really cutthroat because you want to find that person first because it's a race to find who can get it first and submit it first. So then there, there might be some unethical recruiters who maybe cross the line and will send a resume without asking the person because they want to, because they know you got all these other people breathing down your neck. So you want to just get it in there. Or maybe they get a, maybe I'm interested, but they send it anyway. It's, and it just, it just creates, it creates yep. ill will. And then I think it also devalues yep. the company themselves. It's like, why, why are you doing this? What's, doesn't look good for the brand. It, it, it devalues the company, yeah. uh, the client company, and, and, and it makes, it gives recruiters a bad name. You know, when you've got, you've got search terms out there that are just throwing paper to see what sticks. And, you know what, like, and, and, well, and half the people don't even know they've been submitted. I'm like, how can you do that to somebody? And, and, I could, it's, and, it's, and you want to say, hey, don't do that. But part of me is like, hey, I understand why you do it because the way it's set up, it kind of forces people to say, like, what am I supposed to do? Even though it's wrong, I, I could see how this plays out because they're like, well, Claire did seem she was kind of interested. And if I don't send her, someone else is going to send her. So I should probably send her. It just creates, it just creates a bad environment for it. Yeah. I, I just personally would, I just have never sent someone that didn't know they were being sent. And, you know, I wasn't sure that, or I didn't really fill in my heart that they were a fit for my client. See, that's why if, 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 it, 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 this would be helpful for people to know. So if you are dealing with like Claire who does retained search, it's gonna be a whole different experience. Whereas if you work, if you're, if you're speaking to recruiters who do contingency and they're great, you know, awesome, fantastic recruiters who do contingency who are very successful, but due to the way it's set up, it's the game, you know what I mean? It's like the way it's set up is then they're competing with so many other people if you're good for the job, they're going to show you the love, but then also maybe pressure you a lot because they feel, hey, I got so much other competition. I got to make right. this possible. Right. Conversely, if you don't have the experience, they're going to probably give you a quick brush off because they're thinking, I can't spend too much time because if I don't, if I don't stay on this job, my competition is going to get it placed and not me. So I can't spend time talking to you. And because yeah. they don't just have one job that's like this, they may you know, have 10 jobs where they're competing against 
in each one of the computer games. Or 20 or 30. Yeah. So it becomes a really, yeah. like I said, a dog-eat-dog kind of environment. Yeah. So, so yeah. your job seekers, maybe that also sheds a little light. And this is what goes on behind the scenes. So you can kind of think, oh, that's why I got the brush off. Because I'm not maybe that person to... wasn't really that big of a jerk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're just like, you know, maybe I can't. I'm not gonna be able to help you and I spent a lot of time, I'm gonna lose the race to get the right person. Or I'm getting a lot of pressure because they know if they place me, they're gonna get paid. And so they're putting you know, the heat on me. So it's, yeah. So it's one of these things that uh, it does lead to a lot of resentment. That's why I thought it'd be good to talk about this because it fleshes these things out. So people feel like, oh, I get it now, I understand. And right. when people understand it, then it empowers you because now you know. So if you get a sense where uh, a recruiter's brushing you off, you could say, hey, Jack, are you brushing me off because like, I really don't have the background, you don't have the jobs for it? Yeah, all right, okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Just, ask the question. Okay, right. Ask the question. Like, oh, but, okay, yeah. yeah. And it's like, are you pressuring me because you don't have anyone else with a job and I'm your best bet and you want me to take it? Well, yeah, all right, okay, now, you know, so they understand this is what's happening and why, why they're in this situation. So yeah. any, any, anything I didn't ask you, Claire, any other last things that you'd like to share, you know, from uh, your perspective? Uh, I would just, you know, I know that a lot of people that are out, we're very busy. Um, I know that a lot of people that are, that are outside of our industries right now are hurting. Um, I know that uh, the world is a scary place right now. And um, I just want to say, don't ever give up, you know, um, try to, try to, when you when you when you're feeling down, go do something else. Go do something. Don't watch the news. Go do something else that 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 will put you put your mind in a completely different place. Go do something you love, and um, just keep going because you know this too shall pass. That's great advice. It really is. Turn off the TV. Put down the phone. Decompress. All that kind of stuff. Yep. Hey, last question. So, how's Texas? Texas is great. It's cold where I am right now. It's in the, the, it's been, it was in the twenties all night long. So we've got the frozen lake out there, <laughs> not frozen fall the way, but all the way around the edges. Are things open there? Like can you go with your restaurants and yep. bars and stuff or? Yep. I think, you know, in the bigger cities, I mean, where I live, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, but uh, I think in Houston, I think there, I, I, I'd have to ask. I think that, um, I think they're like at 50% capacity. Um, I think there's probably outdoor dining too. Um, here, it's supposed to be 50% capacity at the closest town to us, which is population 2000, but it's like 12 miles away. Um, but it's a small town and um, the, the, you know, we have, we have sheriffs more than we, like, we have one, I think there's one police officer every, and then the, the rest is the sheriff's yeah. department, right? And like, are, they're not going to really go in there and write somebody a ticket because they don't want the, they don't want all the all the businesses closed. I mean, it's a little town, you know. What so about it's the different. Like Austin, Houston? How is it? How's it over there? I don't. You know, I haven't I haven't been to Austin. Uh, Austin is 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 a, kind of an anomaly in Texas. I think um, Austin is 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 probably as California as you can get for Texas. Um, I I know in Dallas. Um, uh, everything's at 50% capacity where you can eat outside. Um, my daughter lives in Dallas and she's going out to eat all the time. So. Except for the 20 degrees, that's an aberration, right? It's not usually that cold or is it? Um, 
no in the winter it it, it snows here where yeah. i am i'm up in the hills so um here in the northeast we have four I, seasons yeah like here in the northeast like new york and new jersey basically i think in new york i, I can't i don't know where it stands now but the last i heard from governor cuomo that they just restaurants boom closing all the restaurants um it's 25 percent capacity here in yeah new jersey. i'm not going to comment so, on all that stuff jack you know me it's, it's, <laughs> Really bizarre. It's like not. This is what I tell you. One of the things that I, I, I'm doing these LinkedIn lives and doing everything else. Not much to do. Everything you know. Everything is kind of closed down. It's, and it's and so many people have left. I mean, I've seen live cams of of, of Times Square, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like we said, beginning conversation. Where are the people? <laughs> you know? So many businesses going down, and people going down to Florida from here, and just like in California, yeah. going to Texas. So it's. I talked to a candidate the other day who was. He was a candidate, then a client, then a candidate, then a client. No, he's a candidate again. But um, he, uh, I was talking to him the other day, and he lives in um, Southeast Florida. And he's like, Claire, I've, New Yorkers are knocking on the door. I mean, they're knocking on the door, and I can sell my house for three times what I paid for it right now. Wow. And then go over to the country club community a mile down the road and pay cash for a house and, and then have 60% less overhead. Than I have now, and I'm like, well, what are you waiting for? <laughs> you know? No state tax, no yeah. state tax. So it's, it's I can we don't have that in Texas either. No state tax here. That's that's why they're going to these places. It's such a big difference. So hey, for people to reach you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, you, you can reach me through LinkedIn under Claire Spence. Uh, you can reach me at Claire Spence at Joseph Chris, like the two first names, Joseph and Chris dot net. Um, or on my phone number, which is 281-359-2127. Excellent. Well, Claire, thanks. I think this was great. You know, I'm glad you shared so much information. It's, it's one of these things that I know, and you probably see this too, people just don't understand how this whole process works in your career. So hopefully this sheds a little light and it at least gets you started, the wheels turning to, okay, this is how they operate, this is how they work. So then you can best use recruiters to help you or understand when you deal with them, like what's, what's going on behind the scenes. By knowing that, having that knowledge is power. So then you know, you get to know what's going on, you know what's gonna drive them and you know to use that to your advantage. So hope this helps. Thanks for watching. Thanks a lot. And Claire, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jack. Happy holidays. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the WeCruiter podcast. If you wanna check out other great content from WeCruiter, make sure to visit us at WeCruiter.io. That's W-E-C-R-U-I-C-R.io. We offer tons of great resources for job seekers and professionals, so make sure to check us out today.